Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be live streaming, sharing this impressive, uh, I don't know what this is. Uh, it's uh, some sort of open theism and exegetical pipe dreams by Anthony Rogers. And I think he's the guy that we made fun of last time a little bit, uh, the kind of awkward guy who really didn't have any points. But he's going to uh, criticize Will Duffy here and... Uh, waiting for him to go live any second here i i think i think his title here is is kind of telling the mindset this guy's in he has like this almost mocking my god in god's in quotation marks but then it's not capitalized it's like you got to pick one or the other so if, if you're going to do like god like the ultimate god with quotation marks like he's not the ultimate god then you want that capitalized making a lower quote case and then putting it in quotation marks. That's like a double negative. It, it cancels itself out. So um, <laughs> not too much thought put into this. Not that I put any thought into any of my thumbnails. So, oh, uh oh, oh, this is, this is loud. I got to turn it down. Turn it down. It's killing me. Oh no. He, he's got transparency of himself over the Bible. Oh man, this, this is actually inspiring. <laughs> oh, uh, what? Did he commission someone to do this music? Oh, man. Host Tenebras Lux. Uh-oh. Turn the lights back down. Light. And there almost wasn't any light. I, for some reason, was trying to get on, and I'm using Chrome for StreamYard. That's the only web browser that I have that's compatible with it. And it was not working. So I was going to. I'm going to mute him for now. And so what we're going to do is uh, hopefully uh, just keep this going live. And we'll have to, to bring him down and, and uh, bring it back up when we want to talk about things. Maybe we'll miss some things. Maybe it'll be good that we miss some things. Because last time he just kind of talked a lot. But. Uh, um, very interesting guy, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he says about Will Duffy. But if anyone wants to come on and chat with us about this, I did put those links both on Facebook and in the chat uh, down below. We could talk about this individual. He's, he's probably going through introductions. Um, I could kind of guess what he's saying. He's like, I'm Anthony Rogers, and and I got this beard, and uh, probably should wear a beanie. Imagine there's no Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Brig brother is rebuking you. It on like Donkey Kong. I got it. So let's turn him back up. And uh, he's a little loud for me. So um, just let me know if it's too loud or too quiet for this guy. Audio leveling, and we'll try to level it out. Side on a title and a thumbnail. Not that that's the most important thing in the world, but uh, I did want to have a, a thumbnail ready for that. And today I was supposed to. He's, he's got a Beatles shirt. Conference. Some of you know. That's that right. I serve as a pastor. Oh no! In prisons. I'm a pastor in Calvary Presbyterian, South Carolina, and in that capacity, I go into the prisons, and that means that I have certain churches that support the work that I do, and occasionally that means I have to make the. Clooney's here for that beard style. Give them an update on how things are going. So I was busy doing that uh, today. Uh, at, at church, uh, one of the churches that I uh, my beard is bigger by. than yours. Therefore, so God case, isn't I've real. Been, Sage been a busy right. guy, been a busy guy. Uh, Kajito uh, Ergo <laughs> says, 
why I'm not a Muslim. Not, uh, not stupid. Next question. <laughs> so that's the short answer, right? I was giving the long answer. He's got like 20 moderators. Maybe he only has like two. That, uh, like, like these but they, things. They sure do, out there's the another moderator. How many moderators yeah, that's, that's has this guy got? Line, isn't it? And for those that don't know that the title of that is really taken from, it became popular for a while after uh, atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell. Uh, there have also been. I, I'll mute him uh, real quick. Why I'm not an atheist, or uh, I think that cherry person that's in the chat side. Um, I think she's that crazy lady who is like yelling all about me, who didn't want to like talk to me to my face because, you know, that's that's scary when people could actually respond to things you're saying, and so it's it's a lot easier just to rant about people behind their backs and just go, ah, he's the worst in the world. All right, all right, Cherry. It's like a like an aging lady that uh, people rally behind and and propped up, who just just like spouts emotion. I think I think they call her like a prophetess or something, but not Bible, just emotion. That that that's actually what you want your movement to be is uh, old, like like ladies getting old, just spouting emotions and not reading the Bible. Um, that makes for a good good social movement, good theological movement, and uh, great leadership, and it will inspire a lot of converts. Uh-oh, did I pause this guy? Try to get him all caught up and then unmute him. Who is a, one of the better known, I guess, open theists, not as well known as, say, Greg Boyd or Richard Rice or John Sanders or those guys, but... Uh... Yeah, G-Con says, uh, yeah, she's terrible. <laughs> It's pretty terrible. Imagine being like a self-loathing male, like that's your leader that you look to, this like emotional lady. It's like, oh no, oh no. Grow Christians need to grow up. Christians need to grow up. Um, get some real leaders, get some real men. Where did she yell at you from? Oh, so I here's here's the story, real quick. I was on that that uh podcast or that talk with um What's that guy? Um, oh, I just posted it not too long ago. I posted a clip from it. But I, I was in the room with all, all different individuals. LaRon had invited me. And, and throughout the thing, I'm drinking. So tonight I'm drinking the rest of my Crown Royale Peach because the bottle's been like this empty for like a whole year. So I just got to get rid of it. But then I was drinking some bourbon and uh, some some person towards the end of the chat's like, hey, what are you drinking? And so then I like showed it to him. It was like a bottle of bourbon and like the chat went wild. These people went crazy. They're like, alcohol is of the devil. One sip of mouthwash and you go straight to hell. And so um, then, then the chat was kind of dying down. And uh, I was staying on. I didn't actually remove myself from the chat. Uh, the, the host guy, he puts me in the back of the chat, like in, in the room where no one could hear me talking. And he pulls in this cherry lady and she just starts screaming about me. <laughs> Berean TV. Yeah, Berean TV. Yeah, and, and for some reason, she's all about atonement now. I don't know anything about what that's about. So I'm not... I'm not like I don't I didn't independently listen to this lady ever because it didn't seem very interesting. We sold out a peach 10 minutes after they showed up at the store. Well, yeah, someone bought it and gifted it to me last Christmas. And so this is the very last of it. This this little little square here. So peach is all gone. But peach is a pretty decent flavor. But they were very anti-alcohol. Remember Jesus though. Jesus Jesus came, 
eating and drinking, you know, they, they, they called uh, John the Baptist. They're like, Oh, that guy's, he's like an aesthetic. No one needs to take, take notice of him. And this Jesus guy, he's a drunk <laughs> because Jesus, like uh, he liked to eat a lot. And so he'd hang out with people and he'd eat and he would, he'd socially drink with these people and they called him a drunkard. And so I'm sitting here socially drinking with people and they're like, this guy's wasted. This guy's drunk. It's like, what am I doing? That's drunk. All right, but we should actually get back to this guy. I'm sure that if we unmute him, it's going to be uh, very intelligent speaking about things that we really care about, filled with information. Almost like the Force in, in Star Wars or uh, the understanding of the Logos held by Stoic philosophers or something like that. And uh, in, in order to prop up this notion of faith, and uh, here, here you kind of have to understand uh, something of the mindset, the, the the word faith people that I was running into were teaching that you could, you know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, uh, confess it and possess it, right? Anything that they say, uh, thing that was ha would have to happen. They, they thought of God as kind of like a cosmic bellhop, right? They ring the bell and God is quickly running to uh, do uh, their every bidding. Zach writes, wait, did they actually call Jesus a drunkard? Yeah, like the people in Jesus's day. So I'll pull up that reference real quickly here propping this up he taught that this is how god does things and we're called to be like god so he said god has faith and i said to him i said where in the world do you get the notion that god has faith and i kid you not the man responded by saying scripture says repeatedly that god is faithful right god is faithful and i said well how does that prove that god has faith and he says, well, because faithful means full of faith. <laughs> and I, I immediately retorted. I, I, I said, that's like saying handful means full of hand or basketful means full of basket. Right. This is a basic linguistic mistake. It's like saying, you know, butterfly. Right. Uh, so the, the verse in, in question is Luke 7, 34. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so of course this is like a slur. It's to to discredit Jesus, but it's not like it's not like Pastor Anderson says he he does all this stuff against alcohol. Uh, and, and so he does all this stuff against alcohol and uh, like his big thing is oh, Jesus actually, you know, this was a slander and so it was not true at all. Jesus would not even touch alcohol. They were just completely fabricating everything. They had no basis in reality. At all, but but the verse itself says Jesus came eating and drinking. He he hung out with people, and like he would commune with them, and you'd you'd eat food, and they they call him a glutton because you know that's a social thing to do, especially when you're ministering to people, hanging out with people, learning about who people are. You sit down with them, you break bread with them, you eat with them, and you drink. And if you're you're a full time minister, you might be doing that quite a lot. We got Will Duffy back on here, but uh, their accusation was Jesus was a drunk because he actually did drink alcohol. Will Duffy, take it away. It says God is a God of this hope. This is the recording. A God who knows the future cannot hope as the future is settled and cannot be changed. Yeah. Okay. Now, since we have, uh, thank you, Radical Love. Yeah. If God hopes, open theism is true. Really appreciate it. Since we actually have Will Duffy in the house I'm wondering if Will would be so kind to tell us which passage of Scripture he thinks proves that God has hope. 
his particular phrase was God is a God of hope. So if, if Will would be so kind, uh, where, Will, do you think the Bible teaches that? Yeah, so so God was hopeful in uh, one, it was, two, three. I don't know if if Will is still here with us. Yeah, in in Jeremiah, God is hopeful when he he thought Israel, after being so incredibly wicked, that she would return to him, but they did not. His hope was dashed against the rocks, and it says that your treacherous sister Judah saw it because uh, Judah and Israel were, were at one time Israel, and then they split apart, and so you got these uh, separate books to these these different people groups and they're playing one off of each other and so uh wh wh where was i reading i was reading the translation to make sure that the, the esv was the better translation of this specific passage and it's talking about yeah th these are god's hopes i was reading in the biblical word commentary i'll have to pull up that reference but yes god has hopes that's part of the story that, that that's implicit in that so we'll, we'll let this guy talk a little bit i'll find the reference uh there we go. Will Duffy says Romans 15, 13. I, I, I'm only asking that because I didn't want to engage in a straw man. I had a good idea of what Will thought justified this argument. So let's look at Romans 15. 13. Jeremiah 3, 7 is what I'm referencing. It's after, I, I thought after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister, Judah, saw it. God had hoped that people would return. They were so wicked, and maybe their wickedness would run its course, and they'd come back to them. It did not happen. God's hope was dashed. 13. Okay. We're going to need to fast forward because... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Will. This this really is uh, humorous to me. Uh, not, not what you're actually saying about God, but the, the kind of argumentation that is involved here. So this is Romans uh, 15. If you go down to Romans 15, verse 13, um, pardon this thing here. Hope you guys can see this. Here in Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So according to Will Duffy, this genitive phrase i'm going to show you some aspects of this in the greek but this genitival <laughs> phrase the god of hope means that god possesses hope okay it's not referring to the fact that god is the object and source of hope but as duffy says it refers to the fact that god has hope this is something that god like man possesses okay now actually i have i, I meant to have this up but uh um, sorry about this. I, when I had trouble, uh, getting on, I had uh, some of these things, um, some of these things closed. All right. So am I still sharing my screen? Yes, I am. Okay. So the first thing I want to show you really quickly is if you look back in Romans 15, you have a similar phrase taking place, uh, in Romans 15, five. It says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ. Now this, I should have actually not shown it to you in the New, uh, New American Standard Version. Let me just pull it up in the King James Version because the King James renders it uh, according to the genitival construction. It says, now the God of patience and consolation. 
Okay, so notice it's it's uh, the same kind of construction, the God of patience and consolation. Romans 15, 13 says the God of hope. And Romans 15, 33 says the God of peace. Okay, so here you have three very similar phrases, uh, the, the God of hope, the God of peace, and the God of pace, uh, patience and consolation. Okay, oops. So let me stop sharing that for a second and pull up this PowerPoint. Uh, actually, what I want to show you, well, no, I'm going to go here. Okay, let's go back to this. So here, here's the comment from, uh, I got to keep him playing, but I got to put him on mute. So I got to go back to that, uh, hit Text. play. Uh, here's the relevant for And move, mute them. Okay, so the comment in uh, the Word Biblical Commentary on Jeremiah 3, 7 says, the monologue begins with the account of the evil behavior of the then defunct state of Israel, which was conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. The citizens of Northern Kingdom had indulged in the gross practices of the fertility religions at the multitude of country, sh uh, country shrines. It had been the divine hope. It had been the divine hope. Let me say that a third time. It had been the divine hope that once these foul practices had run their course, Israel would return to the truth faith. The very practice of false faiths should have made it clear to the participants in those rituals that they were not only wrong, but also futile with respect to their goals pertaining to the fertility of the land. So God has this divine hope, and it's dashed. It's shattered. He thought these people would return. He thought they'd learn the errors of their ways, but his hope was subverted. Oh, did I hit uh, pause again? It's followed right. by these two uh, genitives. Uh, uh, patience and encouragement. Uh, it's the same thing in Romans 15, 13. Here's the relevant phrase. David uh, says, God is hopeless. <laughs> yeah, it his is God is transliterated. hopeless. Uh, here it is translated, the God of hope. So again, you have the word theos. Pink and by noise. The, way, the article, just, just to explain really quickly. The I, I think pink noise is a guy off of Twitter. And that I told nobody to explain to him how the internet works. So I, I think he figured out how the internet works. So uh, welcome to the show, Pink Noise. Isn't this guy going to debate Warren McGrew? I think so. The definite article, ha, and it is it refers to theos. Yeah, so um, I do have to kind of agree with our Anthony guy here. It's it's really hard to make a case based on the youth, use of a prepositional phrase. So anytime you run across a preposition, prepositions are are a very famously elastic and can have a whole different ton of meanings. But but we do see the Jeremiah passage. We see instances in the Bible of God having hope and sometimes those hopes being thwarted. So, uh, Anthony, tell us more about prepositional phrases. For hope, and once again, it's uh, preceded by the article, so it's definite. They mentioned me in the chat in his video. Well, I'll have to go try to find that chat in his video somewhere. This should say 1533. Uh, there you have the relevant phrase, theos tes arenas, uh, arenas, excuse me, uh, and there it is transliterated, and it means the God of peace. Once again, you have the word theos, and you have the noun for peace, and it's a genitive, and it's preceded by the article. So theos tes arenas, the God of peace. Now, uh, before I show you this, I just want to show you something really quickly about genitives. Okay, uh, this is from 
Wallace's Greek grammar beyond the basics. This is the text that we used in school. I have numerous other Greek grammars back there, uh, but this this is just to keep it simple. Uh, this is from uh, Wallace's Greek grammar beyond the basics, page 72. It shows you his uh, the things that he's going to cover under the genitive case. Notice all the different kinds of genitive constructions that Wallace mentions. Okay, You have the descriptive genitive. You have the possessive genitive. You have the genitive of relationship. You have the partitive genitive. Okay? He gives numerous different kinds of genitives. All of these have a different uh, uh, implication. Yeah. Okay. Now, the one that's relevant, my contention is... So, yeah, he's, he's not wrong. Genitives can have a wide array of meanings. And so him saying, oh, Will Duffy can't make this point that God's the God of hope. That means God has hope. Um, he's not going to be able to prove that case from the use of the genitive. He's going to have to say, well, I don't agree with how you use your genitive, and I'd rather have how I use this genitive. But yeah, it's 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 neither here nor there. Uh, you'd have to look at practical examples of God hoping and God's hopes hopes failing. God, God, how often God longed for Israel so that they can return to him, but they failed him. God wanted the lawyers to be baptized. They, the, the lawyers, the scribes, the, the people who studied the Bible would not be baptized. They thwarted God's hopes. They thwarted God's will. There's practical examples in the Bible. Substantive is the product of the noun to which it stands related. So what it would be saying here is, in other words, if, if as I'm arguing, uh, hope, peace, patience, endurance, these are all uh, genitives of product. It's saying that these are the products of the head noun, which in this case refers to God, right? God is the one who produces these things in believers. It's not referring to an attribute or quality that God has, but to something that God produces. So no, so no, so that's just a claim. I don't know if he distinguished that. We might've skipped through it, but he, he's, he's not going to be able to prove that his use of this verse is the correct one and Will Duffy's is the incorrect one. This is not how language works. You, you have to look at context. You have to kind of know what's going on in order to figure out who is correct when you come to some sort of use of a prepositional phrase. And uh, a lot of times, a lot of times you just have to agree that multiple independent exclusive translations are equally as probable for the same phrase, because that's just how these things work. Here's the phrase in Romans 15, 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Uh, here it is in 1513 again, may the God who produces hope, uh, or th this is what I'm suggesting is what, what these verses mean. Okay, uh, in other words, go back to Romans 15:5. The God who gives that's not a bad argument. Not the God who has perseverance and encouragement, but the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Same thing in Romans 15:13. May the God who produces hope. Same thing in Romans 15:33. The God who gives peace be with you. Okay. Uh now, uh, I thought I had it on here, but, uh, oh yeah, I actually do. Let me, let me go back to something because here's, here's something that's, that's humorous. If you're familiar with Wallace's Greek grammar beyond the basics, whenever he talks about a particular construction and what it means, he usually follows it with clear examples, right? Uncontested examples, undisputed examples of this construction. And then he'll give you other examples that are disputed. Well, what's interesting in the case of the genitive of product is the examples that Wallace chooses to use. <laughs> Here's what Wallace has 
uh, when it comes to the genitive of product. There yeah, so I, I guess if a non-open theist writes a grammar and uh, they're using examples, that, that definitely proves that an open theist reading of a specific verse is definitely not acceptable. I remember when I was talking to David Paulman about whether Acts uh, 1348, 1338, uh, where, where, the, where the, uh, well, the Jews, they appoint they themselves... Uh, to eternal life and decide not to appoint themselves to eternal life. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's a middle construct. And he's like, oh, it's definitely not that. None of these scholars agree. And here's a list of names. And then I start going through it. It's like, okay, if you say these scholars are going to reject the middle use for this, this word, let's go through them one by one. And it turns out like some of them are just these little hand waving, like, oh, of course it's not middle. And then some of them are like, yeah, this middle construct is definitely an acceptable rendering and here's other scholars who accept the middle rendering of this word so if if you're dealing with the greek um just trying to quote the scholarship scholarship the scholarship's not in agreement why because language does not work with hard and fast rules it's flexible it, it's obscure you, you don't you can't you can't look at syntax to be say to pinpoint something this is definitively what this sentence means there's options and you have to look at the options as you're reading through the text and try to figure out what best fits and so th these other arguments that he's uh, giving where god is giving these other attributes that's a better that's a better pointer to his rendering being true than just making the claim that the genitive or whatever means that I don't I don't know if he actually makes that claim we might have missed it means of his word called the word of his patience here's Matthew Poole another standard commentator on Romans 15 5 now the God of patience and consolation he is called the God of all grace first Peter 5 10 the God of hope Romans 15 13 the God of peace Romans 15 33 the God of love and peace uh, uh, and here the God of patience and consolation the meaning is he is the author and worker thereof. Notice that both Gill and Poole are saying that this genitival construction refers to uh, uh, God as the author and worker of these things in individuals. It's not ascribing these qualities to God. Okay, Whatever else we might say, wherever else we might look in Scripture, with respect to these passages, these passages are not talking about God possessing encouragement or consolation. It's saying that God is the source, the author, the worker thereof. That's another thing. These things aren't actually mutually exclusive. It's not like either or. God could both give faith and be a God of faith. I'm going to speed them up so that we can make sure that we're at the exact moment that he is live. So it's, it's not like exclusive. It's not like either or. It could be both. That That is a possibility of what, what the meaning is. It should be noted. First, the titles, God of patience and of comfort, point back to the terms patience and comfort in verse 4 and mean that the God is the source and author of these. Now, I didn't read the whole passage, so briefly let me just say that in the previous verse in Romans 4, Paul refers to the scriptures being written in order to give us uh, comfort, right? Yeah, the God of patience. God has patience throughout Romans, and uh, <laughs> the patience is God's actions. And so that that's actually... I think that actually works against him if you go go look up this concept of God's patience and God's long suffering within the book of uh, Romans. He's, he's pointing to Corinthians, but I'm pretty sure there's the references in Romans to his long suffering that, you know, it doesn't work with the timeless God or a God that has 
uh, emotional uh, uh, stoicism and uh, uh, unchanging knowledge and and has this omniscience that's ungenerated and and eternal and non-discursive. It doesn't work where he's long-suffering, but God is long-suffering. And God of patience probably very easily, likely could re be referring to God being a patient God, which is a fairly common characteristic of God throughout the Bible. His commentary on Romans, he says, the characteristic designation of God as the author of the perseverance and of the consolation is intended not merely to supply an external connection with Romans 15, 4, but stands in an internal relation to the following, to ta autophronein, since this cannot exist if men's minds are not patient and consoled, so that they do not allow themselves to be disturbed by anything adverse in the like effort which must take place in their mutual fellowship. Uh, but notice, again, the highlighted portion. This, uh, it says, this, the characteristic designation of God as the author of... Again, they're not mutually exclusive. And I already read an expert um, who, who talks about God's hope. Again, I'm going to read this again. It had been the divine hope that once these foul practices had run their course. This is Jeremiah 3, 7. It had been the divine hope that once these foul practices had run their course, Israel would return to the true faith. God has hope in the Bible. It's fairly common. And God's hopes are often thwarted. People fail God. God expects good grapes and gets wild grapes instead. This is the story of the Bible. Israel. Israel, the meaning of Israel is struggles with God. God's, God's just not out there in the Calvinist mindset, like controlling everything meticulously. God is struggling with man, attempting to convince them of things that they're just continually rejecting. He sends his own son. We, you, look, you look at the parables that Jesus gives. He sends his own son and they kill his son. They are thwarting him. He invites them all. They refuse to come to his banquet. He invites them and they show up uh, not dressed in the correct attire. People thwart God. People fight God. The lawyers reject God's will for themselves. God has hope, and that hope is often thwarted. Translation seeks to draw out the implication of it, to indicate what kind of genitive this is. In every case, it indicates that the kind of genitive that's being used here is a genitive of product. Okay, For example, the New American Standard, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Remember the Greek text, it's a genitive, the God of perseverance and encouragement. Here, the New American Standard, recognizing it as a genitive of product, says the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. The Christian Standard Bible, sorry for the additional S there, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. Uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Uh, God's Word Translation, may God who gives you this endurance and encouragement. New International Version. So yeah, how about this? Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? How, how is that not hope? How is that not God's hope? That God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. That's what God means to do with it. Does it always work? It hardly ever works. Uh, not, notice also that God has kindness. This is this is not like, oh, this is kindness that he's giving to other people. This is God's kindness. This is God's forbearance. Uh, the, the forbearance, I, it's probably the same word that he's referencing over in this other 
chat over here in the genitive, it's probably going to be the same word, but God has this forbearance and God has patience because God's not like eternally outside of time and unchanging. God endears, endears with much long suffering as, as Romans writes. Uh, it's at Romans uh, 9, Romans 9. He says, what if God was long suffering towards you to do this? I'm going to turn to Romans 9 and we'll pull up that other verse on long suffering. Look, God has long suffering in the Bible. This is part of God's hope. He means, he means to use these things, his kindness and long suffering to reach people. It doesn't work. His hope is, his hopes are dashed. God is called the God of peace because he is the author of peace. It is noteworthy how often the apostle in his benedictions calls God the God of peace or invokes upon his readers the peace that is from God. Now, it should be obvious the very fact that it is a. Yeah, Romans 9 22. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Paul is an open theist. We, we've covered this before. We've covered it pretty in depth. We go through the, these verse by verse. He doesn't have this idea of God where God's knowledge never changes and he's outside of time and not experiencing change. God endears. God has wrath. God prepares things for destruction. You can make God angry. God has loving kindness towards us. God receives from outside himself. God has relations with individuals. He says, make your prayers known to God. He says that, uh, he says that the Holy Spirit searches us to find out what we need and communicates that to God. Paul is an open theist. He's writing these open theist uh, phrases. And it's it's beyond you. You can't just say, "Oh, th these scholars agree with me," and and so, so um, it's definitely not saying your thing. It could, it could be, but scholars are often wrong. Scholars don't agree with each other. Just quoting a handful of scholars, anyone can really do that. You just got to look at context, see what's going on, and see what best fits. That's the better argument. He's not making a bad case though when he talks about some of some some reasons why he's he believes that. The genitive is being used in his way and not Will's way. I'm not. I'm not trying to say he's like definitively wrong in this. He does have some good arguments, but you do have to consider the possibility that God has hopes, and that's what we see throughout the Bible. We see practical example after practical example of God's hopes being thwarted. God hopes something's going to happen, and it's thwarted. I've already looked at two other genitive constructions in Romans 15 that have the same features. It has the noun theos. Uh, followed by articular genitive, and in both cases, they are genitives of products. Genitives of product, according to Greek grammarians, according to... Adam writes, gives is also an action. God acts. God changes. God interacts with creation. He has interdependencies with his creation. Yes, this is the biblical story. It's not a Platonistic mindset when Paul is writing these things. People... <laughs> I often say that like people like to compartmentalize their theology. So if there's like a verse that says God doesn't change and they're, they're like, oh, this must mean my idea of immutability. But they don't look at the context to see what's going on and see the parts of the context that don't agree with other aspects of their theology. Their theology is not holistic. It's proof texting in a really bad way. It, they're they're single, single use verses. They're not holistic verses. They don't fit the system. They're meant to have one talking point for one point and then just ignore the context and not not uh, not look at the context. So within Romans, God is hoping and God's hopes uh, assumably are dashed within within the books, book of Romans. In the heart in regeneration. 
For to this are the children of God begotten again. Here, Gill is alluding to the statement of Peter that says we are begotten again to a living hope. Idol Killer writes, Nintendo's Switch will destroy this argument. No, he put DS. And so I assume it means divine simplicity we were talking about here. But uh, DS is like a Nintendo to me, kind of. I don't know. Uh, Gill goes on to say, moreover, God is the object of it. Now, this is a point I want to draw some attention to. It's... Uh, 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 I'll do this more when we look over. I'm going to go back to Romans 15 and look more at the context. But if you're following the flow of the context, what Paul arguing is that God is both the object of our hope and the source of our hope. Right? And he's the one precisely because he's the other. Okay. So Gil goes on to make this additional observation. He's both the source of our hope and the object of it. Okay. Uh, not wealth and riches. So, so look at Will Duffy over in other comments. Anthony, people might think that the genitive of product comes from the Greek, but that is not the case. The genitive must be understood by context and exegesis since the Greek ending is the same. Yeah, that's how translation works. Um, words have a huge array of possible meanings, and the only way you could actually limit it down to what it is talking about is through a contextual analysis. And sometimes you don't even get that. Sometimes maybe you're like an in the Proverbs, and it's just like one sentence, and it's kind of like standalone, and the sentences before and after don't really talk about anything, and so you just you just end up guessing, and there's like so many different options. And so language does not work with hard and fast rules. That's why practical examples are better than than what uh, theologians like to do. They they call it, um, the, these texts, they, they call them, uh, these are didactic texts, that these texts teach us about the true nature of God and they take priority over, over any narrative text that talks about God. Oh, these didactic texts, we could take in our metaphysical ways and, and these, God changes his mind in the story. Did you see this didactic text said by God's enemy over here in Numbers? The guy that God hates, this Balaam guy, didn't you see this didactic text that overrides what God says about himself over throughout the Bible when God says he's weary of repenting? Did, did you see what Balaam said? God can't be weary of repenting. Look at Balaam's words. What, what is Balaam talking about? If if God says he's weary of repenting, you can't listen to those things. Uh, uh, we'll see where he's at. John Murray, he's, he's just quoting random people goes on to say uh, speak the form of this verse is the same as that of verse five remember verse five maybe maybe this is a good argument let's say a genitive of product uh, murray is saying it's the same form as that of uh verse five it is indirectly prayer to god and combines invocation and ex exhortation <laughs> the title god of hope is to be construed after the same pattern as the titles in five this guy writes, uh, FTB says, Idol Killer, please wait for the debate, but make sure to prepare an answer for every Calvinist proof text that they use too. Oh, I kind of did that with my quick verse reference that Facebook's now banned because uh, uh, presumably a bunch of Calvinists were reporting me for spam and Facebook hates Christians, so they like to kill these links. But I do have a huge, uh, huge resource that talks about almost every single verse that they use i need to add more so if i'm missing something just let me know i'll try to get it added but uh yeah those resources do exist uh they, they don't have to be built from scratch and their dwelling place hey okay, h-a-w myers again he gives you the greek text 
and says, God who produces the hope, and then parenthetically adds, of eternal glory. This is the hope that we have as believers. God is the God of that hope. He's the one who gives us. So here, here's Rachel. She says, uh, look at Romans 8.20. And here's what it reads. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of joy or freedom of glory of the children of God. Yeah, that hope there, it really does sound like that's God's hope for creation. God has hopes for creation. Open theism is true. Uh, the biblical authors agree. That, that's how they write. This is their mindset when they're writing. God hopes for things to happen. And sometimes those things do not happen. As we read, just we just read it in Romans 2. Within the same book, same book of Romans, God has hope in practical examples. Body of the epistle, uh, by calling on the God of hope to bless those to whom it is addressed. For the expression, the God of hope, compare Romans 15, 5. It means the God who gives us the hope which we have in Christ, the joy and peace. Again, they're not mutually exclusive. It's not like... If this genitive is used the way he's talking about here, that means Will Duffy's use is wrong. A lot of times when you're when you're talking, uh, you use things like puns and idioms and double meanings. And the God of peace could be the God who gives us peace, but he's also a peaceful God. And a lot of times that, that's a more holistic concept that's being communicated. So it's not like, let's say, uh, well, he's the God who makes riches and uh, and uh, he, he blesses people like Abraham and gives them riches. That doesn't mean that God isn't rich, that God doesn't have riches, that God, God has no material wealth or anything like that. They're not mutually exclusive. And often God giving something means that he is like the primary benefactor or the primary uh, individual who who has affiliation with this concept. Right. So the God of hope could be the God who gives hope, but he himself has hope for humanity. We've seen practical examples of that. So they're not mutually exclusive. So this argument on its face value is fairly poor because it is it, he really wants his views to be true. So he has to say, well, how can this not mean that God has hopes? Well, if this genitive is used in this way and then he just kind of puts out of his mind the possibility that God can be the God of hope. And also give hope. God could, could be filled with hope and also in, in, impugn or not impugn, uh, impute. He, he could distribute, dispense hope as well. Those That is a possibility. Uh, to make the point. Uh, so I imagine the chat has been quite. Yeah, Bailey actually makes a really good point. Why doesn't he provide the certainty, the certainty in the Calvinistic sense? The Bible's definitely not written by Calvinists. There's not these definitive claims about fixed futures that can't change. And no one writes like that. It's always, there's, there's these hopes that things are going to materialize in these certain ways. And then Israel rebels. I, I hope that you would return to me. I'd, I hoped you'd be mine, Israel. And then they reject God. Yeah, they make God sad. They hurt God's emotions. They affect God. God is passable. Oh, Cherry Love has given this guy money. He says, "Amen, teach on, brother Anthony." I, I, maybe I'll try to try to do a Cherry voice. I don't know a Cherry voice. 
Hey man, teach on brother Anthony. I don't, that's probably not, not even close. It's just like, I like a crazy, like aging lady. So I don't know how to do those voices. I should like practice in the mirror or something like that, or have like a voice actor come on and do the, or do like the Brian Skelter, uh, Mark Dice voice for her. I don't know. Amen. Teach on brother Anthony Rogers. God bless you all. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, okay just writers generally surely they're not all that sloppy right that's what i was thinking to myself so i looked it up and lo and behold i'm finding it all over the place i found bob enyart saying it now yeah. perhaps this is where will duffy got this right i think will duffy uh well i just showed you a biblical scholar writing about deuteronomy saying that god hopes and so or no writing about jeremiah i'm sure i could find one in in, in deuteronomy as well um but uh, in jeremiah that biblical scholar who's just writing a normal text about the Bible says that God hopes that there's divine hopes and they're thwarted. Um, so I'll, I'll wait for you to, to, to give your comment. I, ha I have more to say, by the way, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be happy to put your comment on the screen. So this is extremely sophomoric. I was surprised to hear Will Duffy say it. I thought surely he's out on a limb. He's the only one saying this. You won't find other people saying it. Then I found Bob Enyart saying. Yeah, you don't, notice how psychotic this is. So did you just hear what they're all saying? And they're saying in the comments, this guy's like, oh man, he just eviscerated you. He just he just destroyed all your arguments. No, he didn't destroy his arguments. He gave an alternative reading and just insisted that his reading was accurate and Will Duffy's is definitely false. That's not eviscerating someone. That that's not proving your point. That's uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, we, we we can grant that Anthony Rogers. Um, he might know something about beards, and he might uh, might have a case that the verse doesn't mean what Will Duffy says it means. But that doesn't prove Will Duffy is wrong. Uh, what? Only <laughs> grant you one doesn't have to uh, find an explicit phrase in order to find a concept being you know, a concept found in the Bible. That's just classic Christian, uh, you know, we, we believe in the Trinity, we believe in the hypostatic union, uh, we believe in all sorts of things for which we have terms that aren't themselves necessarily found in the Bible. But you were the one that said Romans 15, 13 actually provides a scriptural basis for this phrase. And the Yeah, yes, it does, actually. It still does, even after your counter counter arguments. <laughs> it does. That, obviously. Right. So the, the, the basic point that I'm making here is that your original reason for holding to this is just plain wrong. Romans 15, 13 is not properly understood as referring to God uh, as some. Again, notice the exclusivity. If my reading of this is right, then your reading can't. It's one or the other. It can't be both. And you're definitely wrong for reasons. unknown. did he actually did he actually talk about why? Will Duffy's reasons uh, can't be correct in his reading. Why, why Will Duffy's renditioning of this verse is not correct? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't even talk to it. He just said, "I have these reasons for believing it means something else." Therefore, Will Duffy is wrong. This this is the level of discourse. This is what we're doing. This is this is how people do theology. You're wrong because I have this other reading. Did you know about my reading? Did you know about my reasons for my reading? Therefore, you're wrong. <laughs> you're super wrong. Spoken of as a certainty. And it's spoken of as a certainty because it's grounded on the God who promises and cannot lie. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, uh, it says, 
faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, hope, I grant, in some cases, can simply refer to a probable conjecture, uh, something that somebody's anticipating but doesn't know but thinks is very likely going to happen. Yeah. Okay, but the reason that a person can't know in some cases if what he's hoping for is going to happen is because the grounds on which he has that hope are themselves not certain, right? It, uh, it says in scripture, for example, that the hope of... All right, so this is actually pretty key. I need to go back to him. But uh, he's saying that if God has hope, then open theism is true. And that's what he's saying. This, this, is, this is him claiming it. Hope that a person has is only as good as the object in whom that person is hoping. And according to scripture, the God that believers are hoping in, the God that believers are trusting in, is not a God who is himself hoping, but not certain, but just probably conjecturing what might happen. The God of scripture is the one who promises, who cannot lie, and whose purposes cannot be thwarted. Okay? <laughs> so when the, when the scriptures speak of the believer having hope except by the lawyers who rejected the will of god yeah except for except for them they're the only ones more powerful because that's how it works in calvinism or it's like if if you thwart me in one one aspect you are so much powerful i'm just like i have no power you thwarted my, my one thing <laughs> that, that's how these things work if my kids get their way one time in my relationship with my kids my kids are more powerful than me that's that's how this works. That's 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 A. W. Pink. A. W. Pink talks like this in his books. And where did our pink friend go? It looks like he defected back to the main main channel. Um, uh, Bruno says uh, God is hoping people follow His laws. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess we've got another open theist in the house. One hundred percent. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, if we're God if we're does hope for about, that. Uh, God's knowledge and God's. Okay. So. Um, do or can someone ask him? I don't know. If someone ask him, does God not hope that people follow his laws? <laughs> that that's their position. God doesn't hope that people follow his laws. Why the believer can abound in hope. That's why the believer can look to God as the object of his hope. That's why believers can draw from God the source of hope, that hope by which they are to abound, according to scripture, according to Romans 15, 13. Okay. This this is a very uh, th this shows you by the way some of the practical implications of the differences between uh, historic orthodox. There's there's cherry love it over the comments. Will Duffy, don't come for me. I am not the one. I don't take too kindly to. I don't take too kindly. I don't take to kindly to people like you who 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 twist the scriptures. Pay attention to brother Anthony. <laughs> that she can't get enough of herself. The kid, she can't get enough of a boating. Uh, so I, idol killer. <laughs> notice, notice the reasoning, guys. It's, look, it's not look just. That. I, I need to do a idol whole video on the way open theist reason. <laughs> uh, this uh, video is just giving uh, you an example uh, of how bad idol killer did it. Do exegesis. He said Anthony's position. Here you've got idol he, killer saying. He put it if, on the screen. I don't think that God has hope, then that must mean that God doesn't hope that uh, people that, will follow His law. That is your position. By which he means the, the alternative is. God doesn't want people to follow his laws. No, does, no, does God what hope I'm people getting follow at his laws? Is that the God of scripture knows, yeah, and you know this full well. I mean, it's 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 not as if you're just engaging in bad reasoning because that's all you're capable of doing. Just say I, it. I, I think you know that you're engaging in bad say reasoning. Say it, Anthony. God doesn't you hope people as well follow as his laws. That 
From Say the it. Orthodox Christian perspective, we believe that God has a comprehensive knowledge. God can't of hope. What God does not to do, hope that people sin, follow his laws. They're not going to sin. You don't like that notion. You Say argue it. against that notion. Uh, but that is classical orthodoxy. So when I say God's not hoping that God, that people are going to fulfill his law and then he's oh, being shocked yep, and surprised that. when people don't, right? Uh, th those aren't the stakes. Those aren't the... There you go. Uh, that That's our quotable quote, Anthony. God does not hope that people follow his laws. You know, that he's hoping they aren't or uh, something along those lines. Um, uh, he doesn't like it. He, does, he, he right, understands. So he understands. So I, I didn't plan this to be a long session. Um, God does not have hopes. Bruno says it's God does not will. have desires. Not in Anthony, in Anthony's model of God, God has no hopes. God has no desires. God have, has no thinking. There's no discursive thoughts. God can't be affected from outside himself. There's no interaction. God does not have hopes for people. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He does not care. God does not care in his theology about human beings because that would be gaining value gaining from outside himself allowing things outside himself to affect him that would cause dependencies god does not care about people in anthony's a philosophy anthony's philosophy this this is this is this is not biblical philosophy this is completely pagan philosophy reminds me of the gnostics the gnostics yeah I'm going to go there. The Gnostics, God does not care about people. God has no hopes. God has no cares. God does not have desires in his philosophy. He doesn't want to say it because he understands the implications are bad. Uh, but he'll he'll attack Will Duffy like, oh, God has hopes. Oh, that's so terrible. <laughs> You're the worst person ever, Will Duffy. God hopes people follow his laws? What, what are you thinking? It's been contested by people. Um... In any case, thank you so much, Radical Love, for that super sticker. Um, Cheryl says, can you explain Hezekiah getting 15 more years? So actually, I'm going to do a whole show on that. Uh, remember at the beginning, I said uh, I, I plan to go through uh, all sorts of different things. I mean, this is, there, uh, th there's a world of stuff to comment on here. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have fun with this for quite a while. But I do want to I do want to be more than flippant in dealing with some of these things. I want to try and deal with them in, in some detail. Well, th that um, is commendable. So I, it, it's uh, it's it's not bad that he puts some things off to later because sometimes you get shotgunned all sorts of things and and uh, he is he is right. It's brilliant, folks. Right? He's laughing. Uh, okay, so let's let's describe what just happened here. Um, Idol Killer wrote that God is brilliant and powerful. And then Anthony read it, and he laughed. He laughed that God is brilliant and powerful. Thinking about God, when I think about God, I mean, when I think about the word brilliant, right? I'm I'm usually thinking comparatively. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, one human being being uh, exceptionally smart, right? There's a difference in degree between him and others. When I think of God, brilliant doesn't come to mind, right? Uh, God is not merely more knowledgeable than man his knowledge is not merely quantitatively greater than man's it's Pay qualitatively greater that's what they believe and brilliant is just not the right word for it in any case um all right um <laughs> so the bible actually doesn't talk like uh, what anthony's talking like where it's like oh these things are qualitatively different that they're they're god 
Oh, uh, what is it? It's uh, C.S. Lewis writes that God cannot love because uh, God is God is love, and it's qualitatively different than our love. It's it's not like the love that we experience. That's what these people have to do. They have to actually shift when when the Bible talks about God's long suffering, when it talks about His anger, when it talks about His mercy. It's not talking about something like qualitatively different. It's talking about things that we understand and we can relate to, and it often. It lets us into his mindset. It talks about his reasonings for doing things and, and the history that led up to this decision and these consequences so that we are led into the divine discourse. We're led, led, led into the divine mind. We understand how God thinks and why he says and why he believes the things he does, why he does the things he does. It's not Anthony's uh, theology. It's not his philosophy where we we have no we have no connection to the divine. It's qualitatively different that it, it's not even on the same level. God has passions. God can be hurt. We can make God sad. We can make God happy. God sings over us. We can affect God's emotions. God can reason with us. He says, come, let's reason together. God can reason with us. This is biblical theology. Their theology is not biblical theology. <laughs> Get the timestamp. Oh man, uh, what would be the timestamp? I'm not even sure where I'm at. Tell me, take five, 10 minutes. Tell me what you believe about God, the world, man, why we're here, what we're doing, what our purpose is, that sort of thing, how we should live our lives. And he took five or 10 minutes and he was telling me the, the, the basic atheist account of things, right? We uh, begin with the primordial ooze somehow, right? Maybe it, it uh, you know, the big bang or however, you know, we, we begin with this, uh, you know, David writes that so we can grieve the spirit. Yeah, we can affect God and, and they don't like it because it creates dependencies on God. God can receive from outside himself. God, God, the state of God is dependent on things man does, which which brings God down from pure actuality and introduces potentiality into the divine. They hate this. This 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 contradicts their philosophy. Their philosophy is not from the Bible. Again, it's straight from Plato. It's straight from Parmenides, the one uh, Plato's conception of the good and how the good cannot change. The good cannot have dependencies. The good cannot have features and and uh, interrelatedness with other things. The one is perfectly simple and abstract and and apart from the world. This is what they believe. They don't believe the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk like this. Throughout the Bible, God has hopes. We already read it. We read it multiple times. Even within the context of Will Duffy's proof text, God has hopes. All against him, of course. Within the same book. Uh, and man uh, is also uh, going to answer to God someday. He's going to stand before God and give an account. And a person is either going to stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Christ imputed to him by faith, which, by the way, uh, many open theists reject. Uh, in fact, you had idol killer here. He rejects imputation, uh, the imputation of Christ's righteousness. And that is the sole grounds. Eva writes on their channel, uh, Warren loves the church father so much. I figured he could support his heretical blasph blasphemous open theism. Uh, uh, divine dynamic omniscience views from the fathers. Well, yeah, um, Clement of the Rome writes that God watches the world. God receives from outside himself. Ignat Ignatius talks about God appointing him in real time, God working in time. Uh, Polycarp talks about God watching the world as well, uh, receiving from outside himself knowledge. 
uh, that's 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 who these people were. Uh, th these are these are the people who had the descendant from the Jewish line of Christianity. They're not the Clements of Alexandria who are steeped in Alexandrian Platonism. Remember, Origen is arguing with a bunch of people in Alexandria about whether uh, predestination or prognosco means some sort of knowledge of future events or basic familiarity. So by the time of Origen. They're they're all the, already in this mindset in Alexandria talking about uh, the properties of divine omniscience and how it relates to the future in some respect and and these types of categories. That whole line was corrupted, and of course, Origen takes the correct view that that uh, prognosco just means like a familiarity with people after they begin existing. And but but he's he's not an open theist. Uh, let's keep that in mind. Our friend Anthony actually covered this like last time, and uh, I think we paused this guy. I need to need to fast forward on him, but he he covered it last time, and Anthony was correct on that. So I will give Anthony props for a correct understanding of Origin's arguments. I'm gonna fast forward him to. Ah, uh, sometimes this doesn't work very well, so I'll put him back up to uh, super speed something like that, and we'll get caught up to the live show. But he was just talking about dumb questions that What's all we don't care about right That's now. That's what you basically told me about your view of man. I said, what I don't understand, and I'm wondering if you can... Right. Uh, Sage writes, how does God give hope when he's stagnant? Can't watch the world without temporality. God gives. Giving is an action. God performs in real time. God changes. Giving is changing. If God gives, he changes. If we aren't standing before God right now, then he isn't omnipresent. Yeah, I I, I guess that works. A lot of times in the Bible, you have phrases like Cain departed from the presence of, of the Lord. And uh, that that might contradict like uh, God inhabiting all square inches of everything. Or it might be just like his special presence. It's interesting to look what's going on there. And then finally, the guy called out to a friend of his that was like 20 feet away. And he said, hey, Bob. He says, come over here and help me account for myself. <laughs> uh, he says, come over here. And somebody says, I lost audio. Uh, I hope that's not true. Um, I just gave <laughs> you the punchline. <laughs> uh, so can everybody still hear me? Can everybody he went out me? to Starbucks and then he came back to his house. Maybe he lives hello, next hello. to a Starbucks. Can everybody? That's still pretty hear me? expensive. I always do the McDonald's because it's um, like one dollar. Oh, okay. So everybody can still hear. You get the McDonald's uh, app. This is my McDonald pays me commercials to do like coffee apps for them or like coffee commercials. And so here's my McDonald's commercial. You download the McDonald's app and then you can use your daily deal and get one dollar coffee like uh, every day. And it's fantastic. And McDonald's coffee is pretty good. And is worthy of respect even though he has a worldview that completely undermines it. Adam and says so that laugh is hilarious. Famous Christian philosopher, Cornelius Van Til. Van Til used to say that the unbeliever is like a. Yeah. So uh, truth defender says, let Anthony know when you're ready for a debate. Anytime uh, I, I post open links to my channel to come talk about things. And so um, if we want some sort of moderated debate, yeah, we'll just uh, find a moderator. Let me know and we'll figure something out. Now, a lot of people are like, you need to go, you need to go confront James White and, and, and challenge him to a debate. What, what, why don't you go do it for me and uh, save me some time? And uh, James White doesn't even like me. And James White has publicly said, I'm never going to debate this guy because he thinks that I'm, I'm a low, dirty rascal who's 
who's dishonest and a terrible human being. I do think all those things about you, James White, and uh, I'll still debate you the exact same debate. Oh, maybe, maybe Anthony, I'll do the exact same debate that I did for the Isaiah debate, the exact same opening. I'll just read it like word for word, except for again, like one reference change. I'll read it, read the exact same opening and we could redo my Isaiah debate and uh, Anthony will have my entire opening and then we'll see what he does with it. We'll see how he argues against the fact that Isaiah 40 through 48 is written by an open theist. It's teaching open theism. That would be fantastic. Or the uniformity of nature or causation, however you want to refer to it. Uh, so uh, so now YNWA says, now how does that uh, prove that atheism can't uh, account for reason? That was my point is to say, here's a simple. Everyone in the comments has agreed that McDonald's coffee is amazing. Better than Starbucks. You get those like Starbucks coffee. It's like, oh, what? why am I spending money on this? It's like, like five bucks for, I could get like five McDonald's coffees for like one Starbucks coffee. And it's like way better. Philosophy class. This was like, man, my goodness. This was over 20 years ago. I was in a philosophy class. The teacher was an atheist. And he was a truth defender writes. Uh, he says, I am a homosexual male. Uh, thank you for interacting with me. Oh, thank you. Truth defender. I like you too. Uh, all of them thought that reality was comprised of, uh, you know, uh, atoms. Now they didn't mean by atoms precisely what we, we mean now, but the basic idea was that things could be broken down further and further until you get to something that's so basic it can't be broken down any further. And so everything that we see in life is, is just a different combination of atoms. And uh, uh, so the, the, the philosophy professor was describing this theory and uh, I started asking questions about it. I said, um, I said, uh, professor, I said, um, if, if it's the case that everything is just atoms banging around, uh, wouldn't that entail atheism? Okay, and I was just baiting him here, right? <laughs> and he said, yeah, of course. He says, uh, he, he says that's that precisely the case, right? There, uh, th now, now, it should be mentioned that uh, philosophers like uh, Epicurus would talk about gods, but they didn't mean God in the biblical sense. None of the ancient Greek philosophers really believed in a personal absolute. I said this on a broadcast I did with Al Fadi not long ago. The philosophers, if you read the philosophers, they either believed in an absolute that was not personal or they had personal beings that were not absolute. So even the gods of the ancient Greeks were finite beings, right? They were just higher up on the scale of being. Okay? They, they, they weren't a fundamentally different kind of being. They were just higher up on uh, the, the scale of being. Uh, they weren't qualitatively different, but quantitatively different. So they had more knowledge than us. No, no. So uh, go go read. Uh, I think I quoted a Neoplatonistic scholar who points out that there, the gap between Neoplatonism and uh, just normal uh, Platonism is, is not as wide as we'd like to think it. Uh, Paramendes is the perfect example of this. Plato believed in every single aspect of God that this guy, Anthony Rogers, believes in. Basically, where God is eternal and immutable and simple and uh, uh, outside of time, can't change, impassable. These attributes were attributed to God by Plato, by Platonists. Uh, Augustine said that he couldn't believe the Bible until he read it in light of Platonism. These people are self-admitted Platonists.
that this is where this tradition comes from. It does not come from the Bible. These people rely on Platonistic philosophy, not found in the Bible. You're not going to find these things. If it's the case that uh, all of this is true, then it would mean that all of my thoughts about this are just the product of atoms hanging around, right? If what you're saying is true, that everything that exists is comprised of atoms, the interactions of atoms, the collocation of atoms, you know, or some uh, arbitrary swerve in the atoms, all the different lingo that goes along with that philosophy. I said, then all of my thoughts are really just the product of these mindless interactions. Okay, you have a mindless uh, system uh, of interactions, and that's what's... Yeah, that is true. He doesn't believe in a personal God because that would require simplicity to be wrong. It would require pure actuality to be false. God would have to have potentiality if... Uh, uh, Creatures with potentiality can change him, can interact with him, can uh, have some sort of relationship to the divine, can have interrelationship, the back and forth, uh, some sort of uh, some sort of back and forth uh, communion, communion with the, the world. These these types of things need to be denied in classical theism. God needs to be pure actuality without potentiality to be other. He can't have dependencies on the potential. Again, these, these are Greek philosophy. This is Greek philosophy. This is what this guy affirms. And it, it's pretty interesting. Again, they compartmentalize their philosophy. So I grew up in like Calvinist churches going to these Calvinist sermons and they'll be preaching on like normal verses like, oh, God loves us and whatever, or, or God was angry at these people and he's uh, very angry at sin and he's going to do this. So they talk like that every single day. But but then they'd get into their topical sermons and they're like, oh, God really doesn't have love like we do. Like C.S. Lewis says, God is quantifiably or, or it's qualitatively different than than us in these respects. So they don't actually believe the things that they're preaching on a normal day to day basis. This is what happens when you when you engage in theology that's extra biblical, not in the Bible, that your normal sermons when you're going over the text are going to be completely different from the systematic theology that you ascribe to. This is what how these people think. Doesn't fit within his worldview. He's just appealed to something that doesn't comport with his underlying assumptions. Okay, it would be like a yeah. Jcon Jcon says uh, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is hope. God has hope. So the answer is yes. God does have hope within the Bible. There's practical examples littered everywhere in in the Bible. You could you could practically just pick a book of the Bible and find a place where God is hoping for things to occur, hoping that certain outcomes materialize. And often, again, often those things do not materialize. Israel means struggles with God. They struggle against God. Reason that God does not exist, and they do so. Uh, in, in a way that undermines the argumentation that they're deploying, then they've basically sawn off the branch that they're sitting on. They pulled the rug out from underneath their feet, right? They're, they're, they're basically, uh, uh, that's like deciding uh, which water molecule bouncing around a kettle is more reasonable or rational. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, now, um, let me give you another example, and I'm going to bring this then to open theism. Okay. Another please. thing that uh, comes up in philosophy is is the principle of induction, and there's there's a couple of different issues involved here. Well, actually, 
let me let me do it this way. Let me, let me skip induction. Let's just stick with logic or reason. They're having like an entire conversation. Ways. <laughs> but uh, just using those. In yeah, in, in his comments, Will Duffy's like on an entire side debate with the other random people. That pink noise guy that popped in here, he's, he's back over there. And they're like debating. Will Duffy says, succession is yes. Time is succession. Uh, time and succession are inextricably, inextricably linked. They're linked. And uh, I don't, I'm going to be reading like uh, comments from it because he's not really talking about open theism. Uh, he says he's going to bring it back. Uh, I'm a little skeptical. Idol Killer says, I don't de deny God's foreknowledge or omniscience. This is further pr proof you all don't understand what you're trying to criticize. Yet often they do. They, they, they just, uh, they've never interacted with the open theist. And so they like project what they would hope like the open theist would say, like that poor lady who's getting excommunicated by her church. And they did a sermon against open theism. And they're like, open theists teach that God just guesses at things. He's just, you there's, there's, uh, if you've ever seen, um, what is it? Uh, uh, men in tights, the Robin Hood men in tights, where Blinken's up in the tree and he's like a blind guy and he's on lookout and he's like, and this, and uh, uh, what's Dave Chappelle walks up to him. He's like, Blinken, hey, what you doing up there? And he's like, well, guessing. I'm, I'm guessing somebody's coming because <laughs> he's blind. He has, he doesn't actually know. Um, that's, that's how these people think that open theists describe God as if God's guessing. It's complete fabrication. It's complete lie because these people intellectually dishonest, they're liars, and they, they don't care to honestly represent what they're criticizing. Okay. So I'm not a materialist. I believe there are immaterial realities, abstract things, and material realities. Okay. Plato, for example, had a philosophy that was like this. Plato believed that there were forms and the things in this world were shadows that imitate the forms in one way or another. Uh, really, Plato had a finite god called the Demiurge who <laughs> took the already existing, he didn't make it, he didn't bring it into existence from nothing. This Demiurge took this pre-existing matter and shaped it according to these eternal abstract forms. Okay, now again, I'm not trying to lose anybody. Yeah, and in, in Christianity, we have angels and other things that you could call demiurges as well. And so that it's not like unique to Platonism where you could have an ultimate God like Plato does and then demiurges or lesser beings. So he's, he's not making a material point. He's misunderstanding Plato. And uh, he's doing that thing that uh, with that crazy guy that I was interacting with. Like, like I made one video about this crazy guy and he's all about me for a while um, where he's like, Oh, no, you're so wrong about what Plato believed about God, that God is a pure actuality and simple. He actually believed in this demiurge. <laughs> like, what? That, what's the, uh, what, uh, one thing does not disprove the other. Yes, he does talk about a demiurge, but don't you just go around pretending that what I'm talking about about Plato is actually about the demiurge. I'm literally talking about Plato's conception of the one, which he's pretty, pretty detailed about. And his followers and his direct descendants talk about that quite often, what he actually meant and what he actually believed about the ultimate God. It wasn't the Demiurge. He, he wasn't a believer in the Greek pantheons as the ultimate gods. He, he was a believer in this divine simplicity that, that our friend Anthony, Anthony accepts this Platonism. And uh, yeah, I have Neoplatonic scholars who agree with me. Not that I'm, I'm following them and I say, hey, look at this scholarship and therefore they're right. 
but these guys agree with me and they do this like full time uh, purpose with respect to it. And he governs and upholds the world according to that same exhaustive rationality, right? So the world that exists does so by the word of God. It's upheld by the word of God. It subsists in him. And, and, and so for that reason, we don't believe that uh, rationality and uh, the world are unrelated to each other. They're fundamentally related precisely because the world of concrete reality is governed by an all-knowing, sovereign, personal God. Now, imagine, and, and I'm not going to get into why, uh, uh, yeah, Will says God did not create math, and I absolutely agree with that. Um, oops, sorry. Now, I would say that our understanding and our systems of math are not perfect, and so we do have to make a distinction between our comprehension of math, our apprehension, uh, the, 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 you know, the extent to which we've been able to go. Uh-oh. And God's own perfect understanding of all that. Uh, but uh, either I might be losing internet here. So let, let me know if I'm losing internet or if he's losing internet. Our, our ability to think mathematically, the relevance of mathematics, the ability to apply it to the world, all of that is possible precisely because the world was created and governed by a God who is himself the standard of rationality, the standard of, you know, mathematical still here. Uh, equations, the standard of all things. And so for, from a Christian perspective, God is the measure of all things, not man. Now, if you're paying close attention to this, all of this presupposes a God who is, uh, who created and upholds everything. Okay. Nothing exists, but what he brought into existence, nothing continues to exist but what he continues to uphold and nothing is even able to happen okay don't don't get ahead of me here and start talking about free will and all the rest yeah so this is this is actually actually uh interesting point so if, if you have uh, a theology that you're very confident about like this where god if he like withheld himself for like one second the entire universe would like pop out of existence uh, that God has some sort of active element holding up all. It, may, it, it could be the case that that that's that's what's happening. But you're taking one phrase from Paul, responding to pagans who's who's been known to use rhetorical devices to make points, and uh, you're going to try to hold it up as some sort of absolute metaphysics. That's not a proper way to do theology. Usually, you want like a handful of verses, kind of like saying the same thing with the same meaning. At, rather than trying to just force force meaning on obscure texts. And that's not what people do. And one thing I like to point out is if you're finding something in the New Testament that's not in the Old Testament, yeah, you, you might want to like make extra sure that that theology is, is actually real theology because uh, what's the chance that after thousands of years, then all of a sudden, you know, now now you're telling the truth that it's it's not present in these more ancient texts that supposedly the new Testament is based off of what is it just giving a new revelation that they didn't know about before what, what's going on there. And so hopefully you find consistent principles that are systematic throughout the Bible. And that's what you're staking your claims in rather than cherry picking like one, one text from like a really late text and saying this applies to everything in this exact way that I claim it, it applies. It's, it's not a good way to do theology. It's it's actually probably a good way to get people to 
get like a hundred watchers and get random people to put money on the side of the screen and say, preach it, brother. You're making very speculative claims with uh, very scarce evidence. Here's some money. Do some more. Do some more. Just like a, a ravenous, uh, you know, junkyard dog uh, might be running around the junkyard just waiting uh, for whom he might devour. Uh, the owner of the junkyard is able to restrain the dog whenever he wants. When scripture speaks of Satan, you know, running the show or... or B.R. Wilson, I think that I, I always think Brian Wilson, like, uh, what is it, that Beach Boy guy, Brian Wilson... B.R. Wilson says, Anthony is starting to go full Tyler Vela. That would be really terrible. Oh, man. I, 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 haven't, I haven't felt the cancer yet hit me. I haven't felt it radiate from the screen to that extent. So, <laughs> so but maybe, maybe I'll, I'll have to look for signs. Cancer radiating in my face. The world in that sense is God. Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven. He does. Yeah, so the, Brian, I've actually... Uh, offers a counter uh, counterclaim or counter possibility that God set up physics to govern the uh, govern physics and he could withdraw himself without physics falling apart. Yeah, that that is is also likely the case. And in the same sense Paul's statement would not be false if that is the true model of how the world works. And so there's competing models that both fit the uh, evidence and so making absolute claims about your model being the model Oh man, I'm a little skeptical about that. I don't. I, that's not how. That's not how rationality works. To the in in as much as they are in uh, moral rebellion against God, right? So he he's at work in the sons of disobedience. Um, uh, I, maybe we missed a critical point there. He was talking about some sort of like uh, God controlling people. Um, you know, the other day, so I, you all, some of you know that I work for a particular ministry. And one of the things that I do is I field theological questions that the ministry gets. Um, and this truth for the friend of God. So a lot of times we're dealing with just the absolute worst human beings. And, uh, we got a guy in our channel called truth defenders who's showing his true colors you're scum of the earth. Uh, you're not intellectually honest. If you want to interact with people and deal with them, understand what they say, what they mean, and uh, don't be so full of yourself, truth defender. Is that everybody loves themselves, right? When uh, Notice what Jesus said in the second greatest commandment. He says to love your neighbor as you love yourselves, right? The command there is to love your neighbor. The, the assumption is that you love yourself and then that becomes the paradigm for how you're to treat your neighbor. Now, somebody might say, well, not everybody loves themselves. There are some people who don't love themselves. Yeah. These, these people uh, like these, this truth defender guy, they're all like, Oh, you need to be nice to me. Oh, you, you need to be like a Christian and nice to me. Well, I, I insult you and I could call you out on things and, and be very disingenuous towards you. You need to just lick my boots. We're not here to lick your boots. You're scum. You're scum. You're not intellectually honest. You're not worth interacting with. Show some humility. Man up. Stop being a little coward. Uh, but you, often when you penetrate in, in some of these cases to what's really going on, you find out, like, uh, for example, let's say somebody might take an extreme example. You know, um, take somebody who commits suicide. You know, somebody will say, I know somebody that doesn't didn't love them. I know this 
we got a bunch of people on the internet and they're all like, oh man, somebody was mean to me online. Oh, oh, it's so terrible. Oh man. It's like, what, what are we? What are we? What, what kind of world are we living in? In which uh, people go online and they expect everyone to like treat them without kids with like kid gloves and they can be as mean as they want to other people. Yeah. This is the world we're living in. Yeah. Uh, you're a coward, truth defender, you're scum. Better than this, right? And so they don't want to live, right? That's often what's happening in cases of suicide. And so you get these people that will come along and they think that what they need to do is convince this person to love themselves when that's already the problem. That's the root of the problem in many cases. This person doesn't lack love for himself. This person is bent in on himself, Right. This person needs to be, uh, you know, have that will, which is bent in on itself, stretched out towards God and neighbor. Right. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. If a person. Will Duffy's uh, doing that thing that he did in uh, prior debates where God became flesh, becoming is change. And so the incarnation proves open theism is true, which. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people um, on their side don't know how to deal with because they don't understand the hypostatic union. They So they'll claim that the hypostatic union solves these problems, but it really doesn't. And uh, you, you get that in the James White interaction with Bob Enyart on this subject. And James White, he blocked me. He blocked me over asking a question. Was the human part of Jesus God? Was the human part of Jesus, was that God? And a lot of times these Calvinists are like, Oh, you just don't understand the hypostatic union. I do. That's why I'm asking this question, because I want you to say what you actually believe. No is your answer, because you believe in platonic hypostasis. The human cannot be divine. There's a hard separation in the human part of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man in your theology, but the 100% man part is not 100% God, because you ascribe to Platonistic metaphysics. You're Platonists. Your Platonists. And so, uh, you know, the people often will mistake self-loathing uh, or self-love, really, as self-loathing. And, you know, it, it's just wrong. It's, it's wrong. And again, I'm not saying that this accounts for every case of suicide. There are other examples of suicide, why somebody might do it and stuff like that. But in one way or another, what I'm getting at is that nobody fails to love him or herself. It's, it's just built into what we are and people will do things that seem like us are counter to that. When really, if you scratch the surface and get deeper, you'll realize no underlying this is a profound love for oneself. Uh, in fact, a, a overweening. Uh, yeah. I remember in, in uh, college, I was in like a philosophy class and, uh, I was arguing actually the Anne Rand position that there's no such thing as altruism. And there's this girl and she was getting really frustrated with me. And I don't believe there's no such thing as altruism, but that's what he's arguing here. Kind of maybe, I don't know. Altruism is doing something without benefit to self. You're doing something selflessly. And so I, I pointed out, uh, yeah, uh, anything that you talk about can be couched in self self-fulfillment she's like well what about a mother like sacrificing her life for her kids well yeah uh what she valued mo most of all was was her progeny and and it made her feel good and so that's 
that that gave her the most utility and so then she went and did this and so yeah you can you can explain away all altruistic acts but you know altruism does exist people sometimes do do things selflessly sometimes people who aren't even christians will act for the benefit of others and not for self and you can make excuses and couch everything in non-altruism or utility for self but that doesn't make it the case right i i uh i'm desiring at this very moment to eat some chips right doesn't mean i'm going to eat chips right uh because the greater desire at the moment is to finish out the conversation. I don't want to break this off. And so people. So G-Con just asked him if is desire hope, because in first Timothy two, three through four, it talks about that God desires all people to be safe. Yeah. A hope would be actually a, another good translation They're They're fairly similar, but he's making a very critical distinction. He's saying, Oh, a lot of things I desire. I don't hope for. <laughs> yep. I'm sure. Does God have desires? Does God have desires? Holy and his commandments to people to repent and believe, to come to Christ for salvation, those reflect God's moral character. Those reflect things that are pleasing to God. Okay. At the same time, that's not the same thing as saying that God has, uh, well, desire is not hope, right? It's not the same thing. Those two things can have some overlap, but they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing? Right. Uh, but Let, let's go look God, it up. In terms desire. of desire, will definition commands people to do things, even a things strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for chosen, something to happen. Uh, I, okay, let's go over that again. Desire definition. I just hit pause, I need to just keep them going muted or something like that. Desire a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. Yeah, desire is hope. Desire is hope. He's like, they're not the same thing. Yeah, they are. From the standpoint of God's holiness and righteousness, God does not desire people to be unlawfully enslaved. God does not desire preceptively for people to be unlawfully incarcerated. God does not desire, as I said, for somebody to be uh, executed, especially not a righteous person. And yet we know, according to scripture, that Adam Killer writes, this is not an honest group. I need to refrain from wasting such time. They're bad people. That That's... A, a lot of my effort is going into exposing these people's thought patterns, uh, their their in, in, improper behavior, their their double standards, them being disingenuous. You need to know who you're interacting with. And we can't be bending over backwards for these people. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe Truth Defender wants to come on the Facebook group, Reality is Not Optional, where... One of the, re, uh, not reality is not optional, but the God is open Facebook group where one of the rules is that if a question's asked, you have to answer it. Calvinists do not last long when they're forced to answer questions. They don't like it. They don't like it. That, that, having to answer a question, that's kryptonite to them. On to say, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about what you now see, right? The saving of many lives. Adel Killer says, start clicking that live button. He's, he's, he's He writes, I'm getting him all worked up by uh, scrolling through the timeline like every single time I want to get back to the live portion. Oh, anthropomorphic. oh is Bible he anthropomorphic. In terms of what God knows will happen. Yeah, um, Adam writes, God being pleased is time-based action. Checkmate again, Beardo. Yeah, at any time we talk about God, again, th their theology is compartmentalized. They have a specific point they want to make with any specific proof text. But it, it doesn't apply to their whole theology. 
it's it's not context it's not holistic it does not play into their overall conception about god so if god does things they say oh see god controls everything but doing things as an action that invalidates his divine simplicity timelessness his immutability god being time-based interacting with people receiving from outside himself these don't play into their overall concepts their proof texts are single-use proof texts they are not holistic to crush him it was god's will that christ be on the cross and so ultimately in terms of god's decretive will god's uh, uh purpose what happened to joseph and what happened to christ these uh, these are what god determined would happen that doesn't mean though that we can't speak of these things being contrary to god's holiness what these men did was evil what joseph's brothers did was evil what the religious leaders did was evil. The same text that says that Jesus was crucified according to the predeterminate plan and foreknowledge of God also says you put him to death. Pink Noise writes on their channel, he says, nothing irritates an open theist like PSA, sadly. I, I think that's uh, uh, substitution, penal substitutionary atonement. I think Jesse Morell's like an expert in this who affirms it. And so this pink noise guy's never dealt with Jesse. That's like he's hallucinating. He's hallucinating. Um, what he thinks uh, it makes an open theist. But pearls, poor fella thought. Maybe PSA stands for something else. Maybe it's like public service announcement. Nothing irritates. Yeah, that's actually true. Nothing irritates me like when I'm driving down the road and it's like, uh, happy good people buckle up and they drive the speed limit. You're like, what is this? What, what's the government doing? Just propagandizing us? Just trying to, it's it's like that they live, you know? If you ever watch that movie where the guy puts on the glasses and there's all these, this, this propaganda like uh, breed and consume and eat and drink and stuff like that. That's what it feels like at times. So I think uh, Pink Noise is correct. There's nothing we hate more than public service announcements. Those are the worst. I mean, so so part of the problem could be Right. If people begin to think of this along superstitious lines, I remember seeing the. Um, How long is this guy going to go? Called uh, you, you guys have probably seen it. The Mummy. It might have been the Mummy too. And there's this guy in the movie. No one's seen the Mummy too. Cowardly fellow, and he's got all these trinkets around his neck, uh, representing different religions. Yeah, that's the Mummy one. Each time he was in trouble, he would grab one of these little trinkets, hoping that it would give him luck, hoping that he could somehow escape the predicament that he was in. And so in the mummy that has come back from the dead uh, is, is, is right in front of him, pressed him against the wall. Uh, this man, you know, he's grabbing his little things and he grabs the cross and he thinks, you know, uh, it's going to help him, you know, uh, kind of like uh, it's going to stave off uh, Dracula. By the way, the historical Dracula wasn't all that bad. Uh, there, there's some uh, uh, good stuff that he did. Yeah, he fought case, the Muslims. Uh, the the myth of Dracula, right, where the people are you know bringing up a cross and thinking it's going to make this guy run away. Um, you know, there there are things that people could do that could run into superstition, and I think what you often have is you get these reactions to things because people have gone to this length with something. People who see the error in that then run to the opposite extreme. So personally, if, if I saw somebody crossing himself, I'm not going to say uh, there's something in principle wrong with that. Uh, you know, we have we have all sorts of conventions like somebody sneezes and you say, God bless you. What are we talking about? Are we talking about the mummy? 
Are we talking about? I think we're like super off the subject. So we're probably going to have to cut out there. Uh, we're about uh, uh, an hour and 30 some minutes. And uh, he he talks about exegetical pipe dreams of open theists. And this is how he does it. He says, Will Duffy reads this verse like this. He's wrong. Why is he wrong? Because I have this alternative reading. Therefore, he's wrong. Also, I, I just listed a couple names of people who are scholars who agree with me. And therefore, Will Duffy's reading is wrong. Is that how we do things? Is that how theology works? Is that how exegesis works? That someone's just wrong because you have a different reading of he didn't he didn't say why Will Duffy was wrong. He didn't say give like textual reasons why Will Duffy's use of the genitive, how Will Duffy's doing where God gives hope or God is has hope for humanity, why that's wrong. And and again, one thing he does uh, uh, again and again and again, he assumes that just because he has another reading, if his reading's true, that automatically means Will Duffy's reading is false. Both can be true. But we're, we're not dealing with a real scholar of language. We're not dealing with someone who, he, he seems genuine enough. I don't think he's like a fraud, like defrauding people. I just don't think he's very smart, I, if that makes sense. I Like James White, I think he's smart. And I think he's like a definite fraud, like he's defrauding people. But I don't think Rogers... Rogers also has a divine spark. He's got the Gnostic enlightenment that, that Calvinists say that we must have in order to read the Bible. That it's actually very convenient in debates. If you have the divine spark and someone's reading the Bible and they're trying to use textual analysis, you could say, well, you're just reprobate. And I can read the text because I have the divine goggles, the spark, which enables me to see the truth. And therefore you're wrong. It's, it's, a very convenient debate strategy. I'll have to adopt it one of these days and and, and see how that works. Uh, I don't know how convincing it is to third parties who, who don't buy into this divine spark mentality, the Gnostic enlightening. But uh, our friend Rob Ro, uh, Rogers, Anthony, Anthony, he, he must have the divine spark. He, I'm glad he cut his beard, though. And so his the thumbnail that I use that he still has in his YouTube channel has this awful beard, but he did teach us, like the like the like my thumbnail says. My thumbnail says how to style beards with Anthony, and he did a good job on restyling his beard. So he's taught us some good beard maintenance. I think it's been pretty useful. Um, this beard looks actually pretty nice. Uh, congrats on the beard. I I don't know if he had this beard last time we talked about him. Maybe he didn't. I don't know, but it does look pretty nice. Good job on the beard. If I was him, I'd do like a, the beard. And then the bald, like uh, just just shave it all off at this point and uh, do this kind of, I don't know what, what kind of look that is, but I, I think it probably would look good for this guy to just cut it off right at the ear and shave everything upwards. And so that is my advice to him. But good job on the beard. Uh, we, we thank you for the beard maintenance tips. We do not thank you for exegetical concerns. I don't think we learned anything there, but uh, you were correct on a few points about how the genitive could be used. And uh, that's correct. You're correct on his book game is on fire. We don't know what those books are. I think I'm going to like take a picture of my books and like green screen all my books behind me or something like that. I don't, maybe it's like Harry Potter or something like that. We don't know. 
some of those look the same. They they might be like Harry Potter, but uh, yeah, his his <laughs> those are all D and D guides. <laughs> oh, what's the, what's the most cringeworthy books? Oh, like often when I'm like talking to ladies, you're like, oh, you're interested in reading, and they're they're like, or you say, oh, what do you like to do? And they're like, oh, I'm interested in reading. It's like, what do you like to read? And inevitably, it'll be like. Oh, I like to read fiction. And my follow-up question is like, oh, classical fiction or like modern fiction. It's like and every single time, every single time. It's not like they're reading fiction, like they're reading um, Don Quixote. They're not reading Dune. They're not, they're, you think they're reading Dune? They're not reading Dune. They're, they're inevitably, they're reading some random author who just writes like youth novels. And they're like, I'm really into reading. You're, you're into reading just like random. Okay. I, I guess that is something to do with your life to read these these random modern authors that no one's ever heard of, which don't have practical use, but uh, <laughs> historical romance novels. Like at least at least if they say like uh, Daniel Still, I could be like, yeah, I I get why you would do that. <laughs> Adam says it's freaky how he looks like a lot like one of our preachers. Yeah, so my advice to Anthony if he's watching. Just shave, like start at the top of the ears, just shave all the way up. Just try that for like a week and see how that works. It actually probably be more like masculine. It, it, it would be, it would look good. I, I, I guarantee it look good or your money back. I'll pay for your haircut to do that. And uh, I, I'll have more respect for you as well. Haircuts really like make the man. I don't know, but we were going to have to cut off there. My wife said she's dying to hang out with me because uh, of my magnetic personality, <laughs> you know? And so I would, are they reading twilight? Oh no. Oh no. They're all reading twilight. And Oh, it's if so, since we're talking about twilight again, I'm I've talked about it before. Go look up the Robert Patterson interviews about twilight because he's in this contract too. To star in all these movies, but he absolutely hated all the films. And so all his interviews is him talking about how awful his character is and how awful the movies are and how awful the books are. And it's just a delight. It's amazing. Johnny F says he's reading teen dystopian fantasy. <laughs> I, I do have respect for that. So if like he's got like Ender's Game in there, I don't I can't zoom in very well, but if uh, I haven't read Ender's Game, I need to, but if he's got Ender's game, that that's a, that's a good one. But we're going to cut off there. Uh, thanks for listening. Even thank you to our uh, definitely heterosexual uh, uh, counter protester guy, Truth Defenders, plural. I think like him and a group of people are are hanging out around the computer, like typing together. Maybe they like alternate words. So Truth Defenders, uh, even <laughs> even special blessings to you. Definite heterosexual mail well we're going to cut off there and uh thanks for watching thanks for listening just uh, have any questions or comments put that down below and join if if you're one of these people who don't like open theists guess what there's a group for that it's called god is open it's on facebook and one of the rules is that if a direct question is asked then you have to answer it it can't be something like what's your credit card number it has to be something like was the human part of jesus god you know, something like that. Something like Calvinists really don't want to answer those things. And it's actually pretty funny. Ironic says, anyone want to go on Discord? Yeah, Discord channel is open as well. But I do have to go. 
my wife is waiting for me and all my kids they have i i trap them all in the closet while i'm i'm filming these things and so once i open that then there's this huge huge rush of fresh air into the closet where all my seven kids are are kept during this this whole recording so we'll have to do that all right is there a discord channel well i could post my discord channel link or uh irenic also has a discord channel he could probably post that link as well and it looks like our friend anthony just i don't know if he just loaded into discord or if that's one of his little things as well but i will go ahead and drop a link to that in the channel and uh, we'll let him play us out while i'm grabbing this link go ahead and talk to us anthony we have seen the lord but he said unto them except i shall see in his hand hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side i will not believe notice that according to john 20 there was more than one nails that created more than one print in more than one hand there was a cross on which jesus was crucified it was fantastic upright thank you anthony thank you so much ender's game is legit idol killer rights 